Open your Bibles tonight to the book of 1 Kings, 1 Kings chapter number 17. It has been so many years since I, since I preached a message from this section that I've kind of lost track. I suspect that probably it was several years ago when I preached a series entitled The Lord God of Elijah. And uh, this was a part of that series, but but we're going to look at one little tidbit here in this message that hopefully will be an encouragement to someone. 1 Kings chapter 17, we begin in verse 1. And Elijah the Tishbite, who was one of the inhabitants of Gilead, said unto Ahab, As the Lord God of Israel liveth before whom I stand, there shall not be dew nor rain these years, but according to my word. And the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, Get thee hence, and turn thee eastward, and hide thyself by the brook Cherith that is before Jordan. And it shall be that thou shalt drink of the brook, and I have commanded the ravens to feed thee there. So he went and did according unto the word of the Lord, for he went and dwelt by the brook Cherith that is before Jordan. And the ravens brought him bread and flesh in the morning, and bread and flesh in the evening, and he drank by the brook. In this story, you'll remember last week I talked about the fact that the life of Moses was divided up into three parts, each one of 40 years the first 40 years, he's a somebody. The second 40 years, he's a nobody. And the third 40 years, God, you know, showed the world he can take a nobody and make somebody out of him. Whenever we look at this story here, we see that God can take a nobody and make him a somebody and teach everybody that God can use anybody. That's the short version of the message tonight. God can take a nobody. You don't have to be extremely talented, highly educated, or anything like that. He can take a nobody and he can make him a somebody and use him to teach everybody that God can use anybody. The key is being where God wants you to be. And I want you to notice here that it tells us that that He has sent God sent him to a place called Cherith. And that word means a cutting or cut off. It speaks about a separation. God, in other words, is removing him from the mainstream of society uh, to a place to where there is no notoriety, a place where he is cut off from everyone else. And, you know, whenever we think about being used of God, one of the things we have to deal with is a willingness to be different than what the world is, uh, a willingness to stand alone, as it were. And so God tells him, I want you to go and I want you to hide yourself. Well, that's exactly the opposite of what the, of what the average person wants to do. We don't want to hide ourselves. You know, the, the natural man wants center stage. They want to be noticed. They want to be praised. And... Uh, the opposite of what God tells Elijah, go hide yourself. So this is a step of humility on Elijah's part because he's being tested. 
and he passed the test. He, you know, he could have said, well, wait a minute. You know, I, I, I've got family. I, I want to be with my family. I want to be with my friends. I don't want to go out there in the middle of somewhere down there by some little old creek and sit there and wait for a bunch of birds to feed me. You know, I, I, I don't see how that I can be used in any important way like that. And he could have argued with God and lost the blessings of the Lord. And so whenever he agrees to what God has commanded, this is an act of humility on his part. And that's key for any of us being used of God, being humble enough to listen to God and to obey God. And and remember, we're constantly being tested because circumstances are always changing and the Bible tells us how we are to respond to those circumstances. So we are being proved and tested every minute of every day. But I want you to notice the word there. That's the title of the message tonight, there. The Lord said, I want you to go down to the brook. And he said, there, he says, I will feed you. This refers to the place of God's will. There, for Elijah, was the brook Cherith. Now, think about Noah. For Noah, there was the ark. We think about Joseph, and there was Egypt. We think about Moses, and there was out in the wilderness. We think about Naomi, and there was Bethlehem. We think about Ruth. There was the field of Boaz. We think about David. There was the throne of Israel. Think about Daniel. There was the lion's den. We think about the three Hebrew children, and there was the fiery furnace. I think about the Apostle Paul. There was a prison cell. I think about Jesus, and there was a cross. There represents that place where God wants you to be. It is the place of God's perfect will for your life. And so it's important that we be there wherever there is for us. I want to point out three things. Number one, there is the place of God's purpose. I really doubt that this is the place that Elijah would have chosen had the choice been his. If God would have just said, look, I go anywhere you want to go. If you want to go camp out or if you want to go in the big city, just, I, you're free to go wherever you want to go. I, 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 you know, I got a sneaking suspicion that he would want to go somewhere else other than out there in the middle of nowhere. You know, I said when I was growing up as a, as a, as a boy, I always thought, you know, I wanted to live out, out, out in the woods. I mean, no neighbors, nobody around, just live out there in an old log cabin with a hound dog and my hunting rifle and my fishing pole and nobody to bother me. I mean, that sounded great to me. Uh, well, it sounded great until I met a certain girl. And, uh, and that, that changed everything. That didn't sound near as appealing to me then. And you hear people talk about, boy, if I could just retire, all I would do, I'd just, I'd fish every day. You know, you'd probably have a nervous breakdown after a week or two. You probably couldn't take it if you had to do it every day. And, and I know you think, 
you think, oh, I'd just like to get away from it all. I want to live out in the country somewhere. Great big 12-foot high fence all around my house. Nobody can bother me and what have you. I'm not so sure that you'd be all that happy. But the point is, whenever we think about obeying God, doing God's will for our life, there might not be the place that we would have chosen. Think about Daniel. I mean, there for him was in the lion's den. That was all a part of God's plan, by the way. I don't know anybody that choose that. That 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 boy the other day went up to that tiger here. Here, this guy and his wife or his girlfriend or whatever they're out walking, and, and here's a tiger and it's crouched down there. And uh, so uh, he he walks over to the tiger and the tiger springs into action and jumps up and evidently has been trained and puts his paws up on his chest. I, I, I mean, they have to bury me. I'd had a heart attack about then, you know. But I, it's amazing to me. I would have been running or something. Uh, but they said, oh, yeah. I said, it, it obeyed. It would tell it to sit and it would sit, you know, and tell it to lay down. It would lay down. And, well, it's a good thing, you know. It's a good thing. So the the point is, Daniel would not have made the choice, well, I don't have anything to do today. I think I'll go down and jump in the lion's den. I mean, nobody would choose something like that. I think about the Apostle Paul and... Uh, you know, I've never, uh, I've never spent any time in prison other than being there to play ball, but, uh, I've never spent any time there, but I sure wouldn't want to stay. That just doesn't sound like my kind of place that I would enjoy. But when I think about the Apostle Paul, we find that Paul is not only in prison, but he is rejoicing about his situation. And he looked at it as a great opportunity. And there in Philippians chapter number 1, he tells us, hey, because I'm here, all of these people are hearing the gospel, you know, that, that wouldn't get the chance were I not here. So he took that as a part of God's plan. So the point is that if we want to be helpful, if we want to be happy, we need to be where God wants us to be because none of us have a right to do as we please. Remember Paul said, that you are not your own, you're bought with a price. So we have an obligation to be where God wants us to be. And, and, and the thing of it is, we don't always know what's best for us, do we? Jeremiah 10, verse 23, It is not in man that walketh to direct his steps. In, in other words, it's another way of saying that we don't have enough sense to know how we ought to live and what we ought to do and where we ought to go without God's help. And so we need to trust God to put us where He wants us to be. And if our heart is really submissive to God, He can use you wherever you are, wherever He wants you to be. I never in a million years dreamed that, you know, I would end up in Texas. I, I you know, I never, never thought about that, come down here and preach revival meetings and things, but I never thought about someday uh, living down here and now I've spent the bulk of my ministry in Texas. And so, you know, I had no idea that this was the place where God wanted me to be. Don't, don't be so quick to decide, you know, uh, that this is not where God wants me to be just because maybe there are difficulties associated with it. 
I'll never forget a family joined the church several years ago, and the very day they joined, they were standing there before the congregation, and they're coming by letter, and he said, but I need to say this, that the first sign of a problem, and we're going to, we'll be out of here. And I thought to myself, man, why are you even joining? Because any church that's doing anything for the Lord, there are going to be problems, there's going to be difficulties. So don't don't jump to conclusions and assume, oh, well, the church is having problems. I guess, you know, this isn't where God wants me to be. Well, it might be exactly where he wants you to be. He might want you to be there as a part of the solution instead of a part of the problem. And if we're going, if we're going to be used of God, we have to develop a sensitivity toward God's directives in our life. And, and, and so many times, you know, we get so busy and so caught up in the things of this world that we're not sensitive to the, to the leadership of the Holy Spirit and the directions of the Word that He uses. And uh, consequently, we get confused about where we ought to be. But I'm telling you, this is the place of God's purpose for our life. And God has a their spot for each and every one of us. Not only is it the place of God's purpose, there is also the place of God's provision. He he told Elijah, he said, I have commanded the ravens to feed thee there. Now, do you suppose that he would have been fed had he not gone? I, I don't think so. You know, he didn't say, I've commanded the ravens to feed you wherever you are. That's not what he said. I commanded the ravens to feed thee there. When you stop and think, most of our worries has to do in some way with the provisions of life. We're afraid, you know, we won't have enough money to pay our bills, not enough food on the table. We can't buy the kids new clothes this year. And so we get to thinking about all of these provisions and people are absolutely miserable because they're worried about whether their provisions are going to be met. The wonderful thing is God is taking care of all of this. In Matthew 6, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. So, so God is just simply saying, you get there. You, you get where I want you to be, and I'm going to take care of all of your needs And sometimes God provides our needs in very unusual ways. And, uh, you know, most of the time we think about people feeding birds, don't we? But here is a case of the birds feeding the preacher. The other day I I, I bought another one of those hummingbird feeders, you know, and I put those up and watched the hummingbirds. I love to do that. And so we don't think much about, you know, feeding the birds, but it's kind of unusual whenever the birds are feeding the people, and that's what's going on here. And God meets our needs sometimes in very unusual ways that we would never suspect. Talking about being in Missouri many years ago in that church that that I had left when we moved off to Tennessee. And I'll never forget, at that time, I had, uh, well, I'd been to the dentist only one time in my life, and that was as a boy, I'm going to say probably 10, 11 years old. And uh, the doctor threw such a fit over me throwing a fit. He told my mama to get this kid out of here. I can't do nothing with him. So uh, anyway, she took me home. I never went back to the dentist. 
every tooth in my head was rotted. I, I was having, you know, the the the, the uh, in, infection. My mind just went blank. The uh, what? Yeah, I can't hear either. Abscess, yeah. Boy, I mean, my jaw swelled up down there. I looked like I had a big old jaw tobacco that was hanging way down in there somewhere, you know, and and hurt and and, and get up and try to preach. And we we had one of the fellows, one of the poorest people, I guess, in the church, and uh, and he 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 told me, and he insisted. He had eight acres, and he insisted that he's going to sell half of his land and uh, fix my teeth. I said, no, I'm not going to let you do it. And he insisted, and God used that man and his family. They're just poor people out there. Had a few hogs and stuff like that on that eight acres in a garden. And, uh, And in that unusual way, God took care of of our needs, and I could go on and on and on talking about different things that God has done. But a lot of times, you know, we get to thinking, well, uh, you know, I, 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 I'm, I'm not seeing it that if I go there, down by the creek, there's no Kroger and no H-E-B. There, I mean, if I, if I go down there, I'm going to be out on my own. Right? And, and, I mean, there's no refrigeration in those days. He, he has no assurance of any kind that his needs are going to be provided except, except for the fact God said, I'll feed thee there. You get there and I'll take care of you. Isn't that a, isn't that a wonderful thing to have that load taken off of your shoulders uh, over and over again? Years ago, I had preacher friends try to convince me that that I needed to sell insurance on the side because the church couldn't, you know, they couldn't pay me enough to really live on, although we were living on it. It was really amazing how God met our needs, but they kept saying, look, you have to take care of your family. You can just sell this insurance on the side or do this or do that. And, uh, you know, I said, well, the Lord called me to, pastor of the church yeah but you got to take care of your family and i said well god will take care of my family and he did and it just kind of one miracle after another but but what i'm saying is whenever we determine that we're going to be better off in one place than the other uh, and we move ourselves out of the will of god we're going to get in trouble now look i can do the will of god in one sense in the sense of being a preacher, I can preach in Missouri. I can preach in Ohio. I can preach in Kentucky or Tennessee or wherever. I, I can pastor churches in different places. But if I'm going to be there for me, there's only one place, and that's here. Because this is my there. This is the place where God wants me to be. And I've so many times said, you know, if people ever get that settled, so many times we think about where we're going to live, you know, in the context of, well, well, uh, we've got to live close to our family. Or, or, or we think about, you know, I, I've got to let my job determine that. And we don't take into consideration where God wants us to be. And other than who you marry, 
And the fact that you've trusted Christ as your Savior, the most important decision you ever make is the church where you put your membership, being a part of that congregation. And and if you make that decision, I know this is where God wants me to be. Now, I'm going to make all of my other decisions in the light of the fact that this is there. So where I live is determined by me being here or there, however you want to look at it. I, you know, I can't, I can't just decide, well, I'd like to live somewhere else and move off somewhere to where, you know, that I, that I couldn't be here to pastor the church. And so you make all of those other decisions, where you live, where you work, and everything else in the light of the fact that this is where God wants me to be. Because this is where God will supply your needs. And He might do so in some very unusual ways that you never expected. So, there is the place of God's purpose for your life. That's part of God's plan for your life. But it's also the place of God's provision for your life. Thirdly, thirdly, there is the place for God's power. This entire event, if you read the whole story, and you'll see that it was planned by God to teach Elijah the importance of living entirely dependent upon him. That's important for all of us. And Elijah was about to face a tremendous challenge, and uh, he needed all of the assurance that he could get. And so many times we're reluctant to take on a new challenge in our life, because of the fact that we haven't, you know, by being obedient, we haven't, we haven't put God to the test and proved God. You know, when the Lord talking about tithing, for example, talking about the matter of, uh, of giving, and He tells us, put, put me to the test and see if I'll not pour out the, open the windows of heaven, pour out a blessing that you'll not be able to, to see. And whenever you've done that by, getting there where God wants you to be, and you've seen what God can do, then it gives you the the courage to go on and to do more for God. Now, you see, this isn't the end of the story. This is actually just, you know, the beginning, you might say, of the ministry that God has for him, and it's going to get tough, and he needs to know right now that that God's going to take care of him. And so we have this demonstration of God's great power. The same thing's true of us. If we never venture into the unknown, if we never attempt the impossible, we'll never experience the miraculous. So when we're making a decision, we don't do it on the basis of how much money we've got in the bank. If Brother Ron was here, he could tell you, I don't, you know, I, I, I don't go to him and say, what was the offering today? Or I don't go to him and say, how much we got in the bank or anything other than, you know, times that maybe it's necessary to make sure whenever we're thinking about future plans and stuff like that, just to kind of, you know, I guess to comfort myself. But the thing that we got to determine, is this what God wants us to do? And there have been many times we've taken on missionaries where if you just looked at it strictly with the book and how much money we've got in the bank, we would have to say, well, we can't take on another missionary. By the way, bringing that up with these last two that we've had, 
uh, in, in the next few weeks, I want you to be thinking about that and praying about that. And as far as I'm concerned, I'm all for taking on both of those missionaries that we've had. And we've got another one coming at the end of May. And we can't outgive God, but the thing of it is we have to determine, is this what God wants us to do? Hopefully this won't be the end of our building program. Hopefully this is kind of the beginning and that we'll have to build uh, uh, new buildings, bigger buildings and what have you. When that time comes, we have to determine, is this what God wants us to do? And if it is, we have to step out by faith and do it. We can't say, I'm just going to play it safe. You know, that might be all right in the stock market, but that doesn't work when it comes to Christian service because we're required to live by faith. That is to determine what God wants us to do and step out and do it. Second Chronicles 16 and verse number 9 says here that God shows himself strong in behalf of those whose heart is perfect toward him. He shows himself strong on behalf of those whose heart is perfect before him. Well, let me tell you, if your heart is perfect toward God, I'll guarantee you that implies that you're going to be loving God and trusting God because without faith it's impossible to please Him, right? So if our heart is perfect toward God, notice, He'll show Himself strong. And listen, that's what we want to do. We don't want to show this community what we can do. That's not important at all. It's what God can do. We want to boast in the Lord, as it were. And we want to convince the folks in this community, especially those folks that don't know our Savior, we want to convince them that He is the answer. He is the solution to, to every problem that they have. But we'll never, ever know what great things God can do unless we surrender ourselves completely and just be willing to step out in the unknown as it were. But here's something else. When you think about there for Elijah, it's talking about a designated place. In other words, uh, it's a geographical location there. And notice that God specified there by the brook Cherith. There, that's where I want you to be. Separated from everybody else out there all alone, just me and you. And here you are camped out down by the brook. And I'm going to send the ravens, and they're going to feed you there. So this is a designated place, a geographical location. But for you and I, it may not have anything whatsoever to do with geography. For some of you, there might mean some sin that God wants you to live. And to get there, in that place where God wants you to to be, You've got to be willing to leave some sin. It might be that there's some habit that God wants you to break. And if you're going to get there, then you've got to overcome that particular habit in your life. It might be that getting there for you is to change your attitude, have an attitude adjustment in regards to something, and uh, it might be some challenge that God wants you to face. And God doesn't want you to dodge it. God doesn't want you to excuse yourself and try to get out of it. But it's a challenge that God wants you to face. 
maybe some command that he wants you to obey. So, you know, I can't tell you where there is for you. I, I don't know. The best I can do is say that there for you is God's will for your life. And whether it's, you know, repenting of some sin, conquering some habit, uh, controlling some attitude or whatever it is, you know, that's, that's between you and the Lord. Nobody else knows. But until you get there, God is never going to be able to fully demonstrate the greatness of His power in your life. I, I appreciate that song, you know, this little light, I'm going to let it shine. That, listen, that's what we ought to be doing. The world needs to know the difference that Jesus can make in a person's life. And we ought to be living in such a way that they can look at us and they can tell by their observation that the Lord has really made a difference in their life. And you know, if He did that for them... Maybe he'll do that for me. There are people that are brokenhearted. There are people that are in a quandary. They don't know which way to turn. Uh, I had someone come up to me this morning, someone I spoke with for uh, some time after the service, that I, I wish I could explain to you this person's situation because it is so very heartbreaking. And uh, I'm, it's, it's one of those things It's like, wow, what, what, what do you tell a person in a situation like that? You, you just don't hardly know what to say. But here is somebody that's looking for answers, and uh, they know the Lord. They, you know, they, they want to do what is right. Uh, and, and, and still, it's just like, which way do I turn? What do I do? And, and by the way, there are people all around you just like that, and they're discouraged because they have forgotten or they don't know what great things God can do. God can put a family back together. God can raise you up from the sickbed. God can meet your needs whenever, listen, whenever you've been fired and you don't have a job and you don't see any way, you know, to pay your bills. God has a way of doing all of those things that need to be done. But you have to concern yourself with being there. Let me tell you, if you're here tonight and not saved, there for you is Jesus. You know, we could talk about all of these other things, but it wouldn't, uh, uh, wouldn't make any difference because He's the only one that can meet your deepest needs. So many times we think about the condition that unsaved people are in. We talk about the fact that maybe they're addicted to some drug. We talk about the fact that their family is uh, in a horrible mess. You know, we talk about the bad habits in their life and all of the problems they encounter and the difficulties they face. And we look at them and, you know, think, well, boy, I'd really like to encourage them. And the only thing that's going to help them is to have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And if you're here tonight and you've never trusted Christ as your Lord and your Savior you don't need to worry about what church to join. You don't need to worry about whether you ought to sing in the choir or not. You don't need to concern yourself with anything else because nothing else matters until you settle that one issue in your life, and that is that there for you is Jesus Christ. And there He meets your needs and He empowers your life. 
whenever uh, you get there, you'll find the forgiveness of sin. Isn't that a wonderful thought? I mean, listen, even if, even if God had not promised to take me to heaven, even if God had not given me the assurance that He would change my life, had there been no other benefit whatsoever other than to know that the Lord has forgiven me of my sins, I would have become a Christian. I, I mean, that, that's all it would have taken because I'm, listen, my, I had an ugly record against me, and uh, I wouldn't blame anyone for not loving me. But whenever I realized that God himself was willing to forgive me, how could I reject Christ when he paid my sin debt? So there is forgiveness of sin. There is not only forgiveness, but deliverance from sin. There is a peace that passeth all understanding. There is joy that is unspeakable and full of glory. There is love that passeth knowledge. There in the Lord Jesus Christ is absolutely everything you need. Heaven is your home. The Holy Spirit is here to help you throughout your journey till you get there. I just don't know how to say it uh, uh, you know, any other way. Whatever you do tonight, get there. Because there is the place where God will use you and God will take care of you and He'll bless your life. Uh, Tim and I both have uh, certain people that we enjoy reading their, their writings and uh, most of them, you know, have been dead for many years. But J.R. Miller made a statement. He said, God is never at a loss to find a way of providing for his children. All things are his servants, the brooks of water, the birds of the air, the beasts of the field, the wings of ravens, the waves of the sea, all creatures, all things, animate and inanimate, belong to him and are ready to serve him at his call. Some people, he said, are troubled about miracles, asking how God can interrupt the regular order of nature to do any special favor for a child of His. If we understand how completely all things are under God's hands, it will not be hard for us to believe that miracles are possible. Think about that, that all things, God's control. All things are in His hands. Several people have inquired about whether or not we got any water in the house after all of the rain the other day, and I said no, but it got up within within an inch, another inch, and it would have been coming in the back door. And uh, if the house is level, it had been coming in everywhere, but, uh, but we could really see it there at the back door. I mean, it's just uh, you stomp your foot and splash water in the house. It was just right there. And uh, so, anyway, I, I got on the computer and sent out an email and put it on Facebook, you know, pray and thank the Lord. The Lord answered prayer. You, you know, when you realize that God has His way in the whirlwind, God's in control of the weather. And, and you know, we shouldn't be reluctant to ask God to leap into action 
Whenever the doctor, you know, tells Peggy that Ron's got 24 to 48 hours to to live, well, I got news for him. We have a God that's bigger than disease. We have a God that is able, able to raise him up and able to restore him to health. And so many times we're faced with problems and it's almost like we're afraid to ask God to do something because, you know, in our mind that's just, well, you know, that's just too far out there for God to even think about doing. Well, stop and think about it. God said, I want you to go down to the Rook Cherith and there I'll feed you. How's he going to do it? With ravens. Are you kidding me? Uh, you know, if he would have said with bluebirds or, uh, you know, with uh, mockingbirds or any other, but a raven, if you know anything about ravens, you know that those things are not the kind that you think of as being people friendly in the first place. But they're gluttonous and they're certainly not going to share what they've got with somebody else. But you see, God turned nature upside down. Why? Well, because he had a preacher down there that he was preparing for a great ministry to go out and to confront the nation. And remember, this is a man that's got to stand before kings and proclaim the truth. He's got a tough road ahead of him. And God is simply saying to him, look, you need to understand that I am able to take care of you regardless of what the situation is. And I want you to go there. You just go there and you just wait and I'm going to take care of you. And listen, God didn't fail, did he? He never fails and he won't fail you either. So when you leave here tonight, if you're not there, get there wherever it is for you And you'll never, ever regret it because God never fails to keep a promise. Let's all stand. Father, how we thank you, Lord, for for even making us a part of your plan for this world. And we're just so amazed that you'd be willing to use us. And, And we're so thankful for the honor, for the privilege of being able to have a part in your kingdom work. And Lord, I just pray that you'll help each and every one of us to be more confident as we face the challenges of life, as we think about the difficulties that we have to face day after day after day. Help us, Lord, not to focus on the size of the problem, but help us to focus on your greatness. Help us, Heavenly Father, to not look at ourselves and anticipate failure, but help us, Lord, to look to you. And Heavenly Father, tonight I just pray that if there's anyone here that is not there where you want them to be, I pray that they'll not delay another day, another moment, but they'll get there tonight, whether it has to do with the place of their church membership, whether it has to do with sin in their life or whatever it is, God, help them to to get there and to experience that that wonderful thing of watching you provide for them and empower them and use them for your glory. For we pray and ask it all in Jesus.